We're starting, as Phil said, a four-week series. Um, and some of you are going to, you know, probably clue on to this anyway. So I'll just declare it. If you've been around church a while, specifically the Salvation Army, you might recognize this as a planned giving program. So we're thinking about our giving. But as we always have done, as we definitely want to do this time, we want to think about our lives and how we make decisions and how we give of every aspect of our life. So you won't even hear today the word money very much. You might be relieved to know. But actually God speaks about all the time about what we do with our time, our talent, our money, our resources, our family. He speaks to us all the time. So we're going to have a look at his word and to discover a little bit more about how we can make some changes to be more in line with the full life that God has promised us. So that's the intention. So today, as you heard, we're starting with less is more. And um, Steve kind of is a little bit, it's normally Phil that does this, but Steve has a little bit taken away from my introduction, but I've got some figures. So facts and figures are always helpful, but he's basically made my point. I want to tell you um, that the stats say that if you bought a Father's Day present for your father for today, you probably didn't spend as much as you spent on your mother for Mother's Day. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. Just by the way, Phil, that is not true in our house. He hasn't got his present yet, but it's not actually true. Um, but you might know that actually in over 70 countries in the world, they already celebrated Father's Day in June. Did you know that? Australia's a bit on, not on our own, but there's less of us that celebrate at this time of the year. And um, in, in the US, for Mother's Day, the spending was $23.6 billion this year. And for Father's Day, apparently retailers say the total spending was only $15.5 billion. So 30% less. 30% less. Why do we spend more on our mums and on our dads? Because dads know that less is more, right? Less is more. That's our lesson today. So when um, dads were surveyed, this is what dad said. Dads are easy to please. While a phone call from their kids topped the list as the most desired gift, 50% of dads say what they want more than anything else is a phone call from their kids. Come on, kids, that's pretty simple today. I, I hope every kid in here today is making some sort of phone call or some sort of effort to do something, if at all possible, for your dad today. But 38% of dads, listen to this, 38% of dads said what they want more than anything else was just some peace and quiet. <laughs> Less is more. And one in three, so 33%, um, just wanted to be able to watch whatever they wanted on TV. <laughs> so dads actually know that less is more. So dads, you can be excused and you can go and have your coffee or go watch some TV while the message is on because you already know this lesson that we're learning today, less is more. But yeah, we're going to look at these four weeks. Less is more, stress is bad, giving is good, and tomorrow matters. They're things that we all know. Really, when we look at it, we're going to say we know them. But what we want to do is we want to ask ourselves, and more importantly, we want to ask God, is this actually how I'm living my life? Am I living my life really not just believing these things, but making my decisions based on these things? Because I don't think for many of us, we actually operate in a way that we believe less is more. If you're like me, I've been programmed by my world around me to believe that more is always better. If I've got $1, then $2 is better. No one says to their boss, pay me less, don't pay me more when it comes to you know, renewal time, review time. If one car is good, two would be better. In our house at the moment where we've got all these people driving, we're thinking that three, four cars would be better. One kid's good, 
two would be better. That's why I had one kid the first time and the second time I'm like, well, just give me two because if one's good, two's better. Girls, did you hear that? <laughs> two's better. You can read the messenger comment or the Facebook comment for another view about that. But my family love bu buffets, buffet dinners, because they think that more is better. <laughs> when it comes to food, that's not, definitely not necessarily the case. So in honour of today's theme, less is more, we're actually not going to go very wide in Scripture today. We're going to stay pretty focused and we're looking at this one key verse. And that verse is found in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6. And it says, better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Better is one handful with tranquility, with peace, with rest, than two handfuls with toil, with stress, with fear, with panic, with financial worry and chasing after the wind. So why is less more? Why is less better? Well, three thoughts today. And this starts, if you're taking notes on the sheet, this starts in the middle. Less leaves room for, firstly, for what matters. Less leaves room for what matters. Less leaves, less of what doesn't matter so that we actually have room to experience that which does. So if you look in the notes at the top, I've left room for you to think about for a moment the question, what really matters? Am I just going to have 30 seconds? I'm not going to speak. I'm going to try not to speak for 30 seconds. That's a long time when you're standing here. It makes me nervous. But I'm going to speak for 30 seconds. I want you to think, what three things matter most in your life? What three things matter most? Have a think about it and write it down. So 30 seconds up, do you reckon? <laughs> I asked a whole lot of people over the last couple of weeks as I've been preparing this what they thought was most important in their life, what mattered most. And you can probably guess the type of things they said. Now, I think because I asked a lot of people in the context of visiting and talking to people in my role, guess what they answered the first, most, most important thing in their life was, the thing that mattered most. What do you think? God, yeah, their spiritual life. I wonder if these people were talking amongst their friends whether they'd say the same thing. I don't know. But God or their spiritual life. Some of them said their marriage, their relationship with their kids. Some said their friends. Some said their health. Some even said their work. For some of them, it's their, there was their ministry, their contribution to the world, the thing that they did that made them feel like they were making a difference. Let me tell you what no one said. No one said what was really, really important was their new TV. No one said what mattered most was how much money they had in the bank. Nobody said that it was their countertops that they finally were able to get in their kitchen. Nobody said what mattered most to them at the moment was getting to the next level in their game that they spent many, many hours playing. It's interesting, isn't it? When we define what matters most to us, we often notice that so much of the time that we spend in our lives, so much of the things we're pursuing aren't even on that list. And it's just so tempting, it's so easy to believe that more is more. More houses, more cars, more clothes, more, experience, more experiences, more extracurricular activities for our kids, more meetings, more parties, more. 
But Solomon in Ecclesiastes, he says that more is not necessarily more. In fact, he had hundreds of concubines, many stables with the best horses. He had wives, more than he could count. He had lots and lots of gold. But in the midst of all this pursuit for more, he found that he didn't have quality relationships with those people around him. He had so many handfuls, but he felt he was chasing after the wind, that his life lacked meaning. And he just thought it was hard. Life was hard. So when is one handful better? If I have one hand and someone needs a hand, what can I do? If I have one hand full, I have a hand to offer something to help someone else. If someone needs something, I have a hand to give it to them. If someone needs comfort, I have a hand to give it to them. If someone needs anything of me, I have space in my life to give it to them. Less leaves room for what matters most. You know, people need relationship. Did you know that? <laughs> I think a lot of messages come back to this. We need relationship with God and we need relationship with other people. But for some of us, and a confession for me at times, my hands are so full that I have little space in my life to interact, to connect with those who need me most, to comfort, to reach out. Let's ask ourselves over these next few weeks, do I have room in my life for what matters most? Is there space there for what God wants to do? Do I have a hand free? So Solomon says, better one hand than two hands because it leaves room for what matters most, but also it leaves room for rest. Better one handful with tranquility, with rest, with space, with peace, with room. But the word actually, the opposite of tranquility, the, the Hebrew is rest. I mean, the, the, the word for tranquility is rest. And it's the opposite for struggle. Have a look at this Ephesians, sorry, Ecclesiastes in um, verse 6 in a couple of different versions. I've got two different versions that are going to come up. It is better to be content with what little you have. Otherwise, you will always be struggling for more. That's that word struggle that's the opposite to rest. And that is like chasing the wind. It is better to have only a little with peace of mind than to be busy all the time with both hands trying to catch the wind. That rest, that peace of mind. I think this is a little bit strange talk in church. Church is a place where we often talk about values and responsibilities and what we need to do more of, but seldom we talk about rest. And for reasons that probably are still a little bit fuzzy to me when I studied church history, somehow Christianity lost that important Jewish concept of rest, of shalom, of celebrating and of stopping and looking back. We seem to know how to be instructed to do more, but not to rest. We know how to struggle for more, Maybe even as salvos, that's a little bit in our DV, um, DNA. You know, we know how to, to strive for more, to do more, to put more programs on, to be more effective. But let's be careful that we now struggle for more, that we know how to rest, that we take time to celebrate what God's already given us, that we take time to acknowledge our one handful rather than always striving for the second. Do you really know how to rest? Do you need to ask God over the next couple of weeks, to make less, more in your life, to stop, to recharge, to reflect on his goodness and to appreciate what you've got, to settle for one handful rather than struggle and chasing after the wind for the second. 
you know, a mentor, a mentor of mine I just met with a couple of weeks ago. And she always tells me the same sort of thing when I'm talking and getting a little bit carried away about all I have to do. She always says to me, you know, the world, and specifically for me, the church won't cease to exist if you take a few days off. I wonder if some of us think that, that our world might cease to exist if we step back and take a few days or a week or a month to recharge, to ask God what it is he needs to speak to us about. We don't need to be on that constant treadmill. God can talk to us when we step and remove ourselves even more effectively because we have room. We have a second hand. So better less with rest, Solomon says. Better one handful with tranquility than two with stress and fear and financial worrying and struggle. So less leaves room for what matters most. Less leaves room for rest. And thirdly, less leaves room for gratitude. Less leaves room for gratitude. And we've spoken about gratitude a fair bit over the last few months. And I know there's lots of you talking about that and making lists about things you're grateful for. And I read this during the week. I think it's going to come up on one screen. The spirit of more has two little sisters, envy and jealousy. Jealousy says, I want what you have. And envy says, I don't think I can get what you have so I don't want you to have it. That's the spirit of more. When we're not happy with what we've already got, when we want more, when we want more, these are the things that come up. But the spirit of less is a spirit of gratitude. When we're comfortable with, with less, we feel like we have more. We acknowledge that what we have doesn't even come from us in the first place. That our, everything that we have comes from God. Gratitude says, what I have is not mine anyway, so I should just be thankful rather than striving and striving for more, rather than feeling envious and jealous. Gratitude reminds us, as one author says, that we're like turtles on a fence post. We didn't get where we were on our own. Are you like a turtle on a fence post? Do you acknowledge that wherever you are, whatever your lot in life, so to speak, the God, thanks Phil for the image, that was beautiful, but God put you there. God's given you opportunities. He's given you your brain. He's given you the support network around you. God, we're thankful today with our handful because we have it from you. So this focus on quantity can lead to this envy and rivalry and selfishness. But when we concentrate on quality, when we concentrate on what God's already given us, we acknowledge less is more, better is one handful with tranquility and gratitude, if you like, than chasing after the wind for more. So this morning, we're just going to end with three, and you can see them there on your notes, so they're not mind-blowing, but three things that I think that God wants us to reflect on this next week, to ask ourselves some action points, if you like. What can we do for this less is more living? This less is more living. What can we do? And the first thing we can do is I think we can cut back. You know, so many of us have so much stuff in our house that it doesn't all fit and we put it in our garage. Who wants to confess today that there's no room in their garage for their car? Anyone want to confess that? I've lots of nods, only a few hands. <laughs> we fit one car in our garage. It's a double garage. It should fit two cars, but it fits our tiny little mirage, not our proper car, not like our big car. We have too much stuff. 
if we have to put some of our stuff in the garage and the garage doesn't fit our car. But, you know, some people even have so much stuff in their closet and in their house and in their garage that they actually pay storage places to store some of their stuff. They pay someone at another place to store stuff that they don't use, that they don't see, and over time they probably forget is there. Less is more. Better is one handful with tranquility than a bunch of stuff and toil that goes with it for stuff that some of us don't even see very often, if at all. We need to understand, I think, the principle that Jesus taught. And Jesus told a story about a guy, and at the end of the parable, Jesus said this line, and it's so true, and most of us would know this with our hearts and our minds, but we don't actually live it out with the, the decisions we make. Your life does not consist, Jesus said, in the abundance of your possessions. Your life does not consist of what you own, of your things. Your life doesn't consist with getting more stuff. The most meaningful things at the end of your life will never be stuff. They'll be the things that you've put on your list today as the things that matter most. And my guess is for most of you, you put things like relationships. Do you need to cut back on stuff and leave room for things that matter most? Secondly, and similarly, but a little bit different, is we need to clear out. We need to clear out. Now, I'm not a fan of clutter. If you come into my house, you're not going to see much clutter. I don't have much stuff. But I've got to admit, like physically, but I've got to admit that there are times where my heart and my mind gets cluttered, where I have too much going on and I can't get organised in those areas of my life. You know, when, um, when my house is looking a little bit cluttered, when there's washing on the table or there's mess around, you can ask my family, they think I get a little bit, I think Phil would use the word anxious. Is that the word you would use? Manic. Manic. <laughs> Don't like that word. <laughs> but you know, like I can't easily sit and relax and spend time in Phil's presence or in the presence of my kids if out of the corner of my eye, my dining room table is full of clothes. Like I just can't do it. I kind of have to get up, sort it out, tidy up. And sometimes Phil gets this. So sometimes he'll get up and he'll help get it done because he knows then we can sit down and we can relax together and enjoy each other's presence rather than being distracted by all sorts of things. And you know, for some of us, it's like that in our hearts and our minds. Did you know? We're distracted. There's so many things getting in the way, so many distractions, so, so much, so little space in our head. Things feel a bit cluttered that it limits our ability to connect with others and with God. And ultimately, that's what life is all about, isn't it? Some of us might need to physically declutter to leave room in our lives. But if that's not you, maybe I, you need to ask yourself and you need to ask God this week, is there something I need to declutter in my soul or in my heart? Do I need to let go of some of the stuff we've been talking about over the last seven weeks? Do I need to let go of some toxic relationships? Do I need to let go of unforgiveness or of resentment so that I've got more room in my heart and mind for what God wants to do in my life, for how God wants to move? And I want to be distracted from what he wants to do because less is more. When you cut back, when you clear out, it does bring that bit of freedom, that bit of space for us to move and for God to move. And I want to encourage you to ask God really seriously this week, is there something you need to do to cut back or to clear out? And number three, finally this morning, we need to pay off, I think. 
I think the scripture tells us that we need to pay off. Now, I'm not going to encroach too much on Phil's territory next week. Don't, don't get a bit too nervous. But I think when next week we're going to look a little bit look, look <clears throat> Next week, we're going to look a little bit more about debt. <laughs> I know I'm pretty funny. Thanks, Daniel. <laughs> and you know, financial stress, debt, is absolutely and completely no fun. You know, no one sits down ever and says to me, man, my debt helps me feel so much peace. I am so thankful that the interest rate on my credit cards is so high that I can't get on top of it. I'm so glad that my mortgage is so big that I don't feel like I've got room to move. I, I feel so much closer to God when I need to rely on him because my interest payments are so high. I, no one ever says that to me. What I hear from so many people in our world is that debt makes them feel stressed. They worry all the time. They have fights with family about money. And the Bible gives us wisdom about this or it helps to explain why we feel that way. In Proverbs 22 verse 7, it says, The borrower is slave to the lender. Now, when we have too much debt, we feel slave. We feel encumbered. We feel cluttered, if you like. We feel a burden. And as I said, next week, we're going to talk specifically about the heart behind this concept of paying off debt. But I think to live debt-free, we have to embrace. It starts with embracing the concept that less is more. Better is one hand with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind and debt that leaves us feel stressed. Perhaps you can think of it this way. Better is a car paid off than a brand new one with really big payments that stress me out. Better is a smaller house than fighting over those in my house over the mortgage repayments of a really big one. Better to have a bit of financial margin in my life so that I could actually contribute to others rather than living pay to pay, stressed about whether I'm going to get paid next. It's better to have some nice stuff that I own than a bunch of junk that owns me. Better is one handful and an intimate relationship with my children and my friends and my, my, the rest of my family. Better is one handful and some really good friendships and the pursuit of things and no real community with others. Better is one handful and some experiences, a family vacation, time together, than two handfuls and no time for each other. Better is one handful and a strong marriage than a busy, busy, busy accumulation of stuff but no time or space for intimacy. Better is one handful and the ability to make a difference in the world around us than being consumed by myself all the time and the two handfuls that I want to hold on to. Better is one handful and the ability to be grateful and to glorify and to praise God and bring him honour than have two handfuls in toil. All I have is because of Jesus. Are we focusing enough on that one hand? and what Jesus has given us. We're going to sing with the help of the ensemble this morning. All I have because of Jesus. It all starts with his gift. All this promise, one for me. The gospel message is a simple message, isn't it? Sometimes we crowd it and we make it so complicated, but it's simple. Jesus died for us. He's given us our freedom. He wants us to live life to the full. That's why he came. Are our choices getting in the way of that? This song says, I will boast not in anything I have, but I will boast in Christ alone. 
His righteousness and not my own. I will cling to Christ, my hope. This morning, as we listen to the ensemble, as we sing along, if we want to, I just invite you to ask God to speak to you. To say, God, is there anything I need you to tell me about what I've heard this morning? Maybe for some of us parents, some of these concepts we haven't taught well to our kids. And we need to have conversations with our kids, remind them about what matters most. Teach them how not to get into debt. Teach them to appreciate what they've got rather than to always strive for more. Ask God how He can speak to you this morning and respond as you feel led.